0: You're listening to the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device at PlayAlberta.ca. Sign up and receive a fifty dollars welcome bonus using the promo code Casino Fifty. The slot right on the tape of uh, Evan Bouchard, but uh, the owners were unable to capitalize. It was not. It was not a picture perfect first forty minutes. For the Edmonton orders, but uh, they yeah. found a way to win again, and it's amazing, Tyler, how much dominant they are in the third period. They've outscored teams twenty-six to six in the third period during this th- fourteen-game run.
1: Yeah, and another crazy thing is uh the play of Stuart Skinner in the third period specifically is unreal. I had my co-host, Liam, go and do some research on this. Stuart Skinner has something like a 996 save percentage or a 960 save percentage in the third period alone during this winning streak. It's crazy. He's only allowed like three third period goals in his last 12 starts. Like how his ability to, and I, there have been games where he gives up a goal early on. Think about like Montreal. He gave up that goal, bang, right on. And then locked it down for the rest of his game. Like he just feels like, obviously physically he's playing well, but mentally he just feels like he's in a great spot where he gives up a goal. And me as a fan watching the game, I'm not sitting there being like, "Oh boy, that might rattle him." It's like, "Oh no, he's gonna be fine." Stuart Skinner will get back into his zone. Like nothing can rattle this guy right now.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh... it's true. He has uh, he has looked better. Uh, he did admit he was a little tired after the second period. In the, in the game last night, got a lot of action in the second period. It was all over the place. Like, not just a lot of shots, but having to go side to side and post to post numerous times. So you get a little fatigued. And, you know, his teammates, I don't know if they saw him huffing and puffing or not, but uh, either way, they woke up in the, uh, in the third period. And man, Chris Knobloch right now, that was the first game we've seen in this winning streak where he really juggled his lines a little bit in the, in the third period, which, hey, I understand it worked. Yeah, you know, he moved up Holloway with McLeod, and that line scored, and the Kane line scored. Like, all the three lines that he juggled together all scored.
1: Yeah, not only did that Holloway McLeod Brown line find a way to score, but they were dominant in that game. They spent basically all their time in Columbus's zone. They outshot them five to nothing in three minutes and 46 seconds of ice time together. That trio looked really good. And I know there's a lot of talk about like, Oh, could Dylan Holloway maybe be a center solution for this team? But after watching the way he seemed to click with McLeod and Brown, I'm wondering if maybe you don't just run that back to start the game against Chicago and say, you know what, Dylan Holloway, as much as we want to experiment with you as a centerman for a while to know what we have ahead of the deadline right now in the moment, he might be best playing on McLeod's wing.
0: Yeah. I don't know, man. He likes center. I I like Holloway at center. You can move him up a little bit. There's probably a little bit more chance for ice time, but uh, I've liked his, I've liked his play at center ice uh, a lot right now. And so uh, I, I think when um, you know, Corey Perry comes back, I think what I like about it and did you notice even late in the second period and the coach has done this before, he doesn't like guys sitting out too long. And he actually put a Holloway instead of Hyman and Kane with dry and McDavid after a penalty kill in the late in the second period. And so, you know, there's just little things. Knobloch seems I could see why he become a player's coach very quickly because he really doesn't like guys sitting out for extended period of times in the course of a game. Like sometimes it's unavoidable based, you know, if there's a rash of penalties either way and you're not on the penalty kill or the power play, but If you watch after a penalty kill, he likes to get the other six forwards who aren't PKers out in the next two shifts. And after a power play, the same thing.
1: Yeah, hard. Yeah, I've noticed that, too. And I I love that he doesn't do the thing where someone has stabled the bench. Like when Holloway came up, I had some people be like, oh, they're bringing him up to play him five minutes a night like they did earlier in the year. And I was like, well, one, actually, right before he got hurt, he was playing like 13 minutes a game for a couple of nights. Um, but also, Chris Knobloch doesn't seem like that kind of a coach. He also brought up the whole McDavid and Dreisaitl going together thing. And that's one of the areas I loved about the way Knobloch's handled his lines is, you know towards the end with Jay Woodcroft as soon as the Oilers were down in a hockey game it was 97 and 29 together and most of the time it was for the rest of the time the rest of the hockey game he stapled them together and now Knoblock even in the games they've been losing he he'll go to it but only as almost like a tactic to throw off the other team and throw off their matchups or maybe because he sees something in the matchups like there's an icing or Their best players were just out there for a power play. Now they're off. I'm going to throw my best guys on there because we just finished a penalty kill. The way he handles McDavid and Dreisaitl as a duo, I think, is so much more effective than the way they were handled at the beginning of the year under Woodcroft. I think it'll make a big difference in the in the long run, even if right now there's not a lot of direct examples of those two teaming up for a goal.
0: I have to think that Calvin Pickard is going to start tomorrow. It, it makes sense. Can't have Skinner start every game. And, uh, you know, so you go with Calvin Pickard tomorrow, Chicago's third game in four nights. Uh, and Chicago, they kind of gave it to the orders earlier, uh, this month, right? When, uh, Edmonton won the game and I had, had two goals called back and then Hyman actually missed a wide open net as well. Would have the hat trick, but, uh, <laughs> ended up with no goals that game. Edmonton only had 15 shots. I just, I would think the orders, Like, eventually they're going to lose. And I don't get too upset if they lose the game. But, like, losing to Chicago is just different. Like, you lose to Nashville, I'm like, all right. You lose to Vegas, all right. But to me, it would be disappointing if the streak ends in a loss to Chicago.
1: Yeah, especially when you look at all the other circumstances. Like, yes, the Hawks, not a good team. Obviously, no Connor Bedard. Since December 1st, there's only one team in the NHL averaging under two goals a game. And as you could probably guess, it's the Chicago Blackhawks, one85 goals per game second worst in the league is washington at 2.28 so this hawks team cannot score they're going to be playing the second of back-to-backs on the road so again some fatigue should play a factor into this as well this is a slam dunk start calvin pickard kind of night especially when Stuart skinner comes out and says i was kind of gassed after the first 40 minutes like if i'm a coach that's automatically yeah should probably give this guy a night off, so it seems pretty cut and dry. Pickard tomorrow, you should be able to roll over a Blackhawks team that is not good and should be coming in a little bit tired. And then you head into the weekend to take on Nashville, which is going to be really, really exciting if the streak is still alive for that home game on a Saturday afternoon.
0: Tyler I'm Chuck, uh joins us. You look at uh, at the orders and as they get closer, you know when they come back uh, out of the uh, All Star slash bye week, it'll be basically a month right, uh, from then until the uh, the trade deadline on March 8th. Uh, basically, I think it's 32 days, in fact. But I look at this team, and, you know, there's, like, re- what do you think's a realistic trade? Like, do you even think they need goaltending? Or do you think they have enough within the organization that, uh, you know, you've got Pickard, uh, Campbell's, I know it's the American League, but that's how Pickard got called up because he played well in the American League. And I look at Campbell and say, you know what, maybe they look to – to try to get a second line right winger, uh, maybe see if there's this, you know, first pair right defense, but I'm not sure there is, but maybe there is. Uh, and look at that instead. What would you do?
1: Yeah, I agree with, I, I saw your take floating around about the idea that there's not the echo, a right shot version of Matthias Ekholm available right now. I, I like Chris Tanev, but he is not right shot. Matthias Ekholm to me. If that, if a player like that becomes available, yes, that becomes your number one need. I'm not big on the goaltending thing anymore. I, people were, writing into my show today saying oh do should they go get flurry go give up whatever it takes to get flurry and I'm going why like best case scenario is he's probably sitting on your bench because Stuart Skinner's your starter like I get wanting some insurance and people are saying well how would how could you be comfortable if you're the Oilers with the idea of Calvin Pickard potentially starting a playoff game for you and it's like man do you think Vegas was entirely comfortable with the idea of Aiden Hill starting a playoff game for them like Goaltending's a weird position. I'm with you. I think top six right wing is the slam dunk spot for this Oilers team to go address ahead of the deadline. Is there an obvious name out there? I think Jake Gensel's probably too expensive, both financially with his cap hit and with the assets. But one name that's interesting is if the New Jersey Devils don't get back into the race by the deadline. I know they're in the race, so I shouldn't say back into it. But if the Devils fall out, What about Tyler Toffoli, Greg's? 4.2 million bucks, 20 goals, right winger, playoff guy. Like that style of player is who I'd want. Because if you get him at 50% retained, you can fit him in.
0: Well, 50% is still two mils. You got to, you know, like, and I wonder what's what's Toffoli going to cost? You know, do you bring in a third team that, you know, they take a million or whatever it is at at that? And and it's not an actual million in dollars at that point, you know, because it's all based on what's left in the season. Is that worth a fourth? Because I, I think Ryan O'Reilly, uh, Minnesota, to take what they took of his salary last year, got a fourth rounder for him just to take the salary. So, you know, it would be that. And then whatever you think, Tyler Toffoli, is he a second? I don't think he's a first. Um, you know, is, is he worth a second rounder? Eh, probably. Like, there's, you know, there's definitely some options there for him. Like, he's a guy I've looked at. A, one, you know, he's got the cup pedigree. He's produced in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, he isn't the fastest guy, but I don't think Edmonton really needs more speed. I think Edmonton has enough speed up and down their lineup uh, that if you could add another guy like that, it's, it's at least take, it's worth taking a look at. And, you know, you probably have to dive deeper into, I know he just scored a hat trick the other day against Vegas. So, you know, he can still produce. So it is, he, he's an interesting one to me for sure.
1: Yeah, and I wonder, too, like New Jersey, we know they need help on the blue line. And I don't know where you come out on this, but there has been talk of the idea of, hey, maybe you if you need the cap relief, move out of Brett Kulak. And then when you go get a depth defenseman, they just split that third pair duty with Philip Broberg. Like, what about a good old fashioned hockey trade, Greg's? What if New Jersey's in there saying, hey, we need a D man. If you're willing to give us Kulak and maybe a mid round pick, we'll eat some money on Toffoli to make it work from your perspective. And two teams that are in the hunt can help each other out.
0: Yeah, my my concern for the Orders is offense has never been what they've lacked in the playoffs. Um, it's giving up too many goals. And Brett Kulak, for the last two years in the postseason, has been really good. Like, his numbers are off the charts good. And so if you trade him, then I assume you're, you're going to promote Broberg. And maybe he's ready, but he, I, I'll, me personally, when I've seen how this team loses, I'd rather go into it. Without a you know a little bit of concern in my second line right wing rather than concern in, in, in one of my six defensemen,
1: yeah, and that's why I always whenever I have this conversation throw in the caveat that like you'd have to go get another veteran left hander who you know, isn't as expensive as Brett Kulak, presumably then wouldn't be as good as Brett Kulak either. But again, with the cap savings, maybe there's a way to make a couple of moves where the first one looks like you're sacrificing a good piece, but then you go get a veteran seventh defenseman and you go, okay, we are still confident in our blue line and we got this big upgrade to our second line into Foley or someone like that. But I agree. I'd, I'd be cautious about trading Brett Kulak. I don't think it's just a straight cap dump that you can do, dust your hands off and go, okay, we're still going to be all right. Because he he was just on an incredible run where he just wasn't getting, they weren't getting scored on when he was on the ice.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, uh, it's amazing. And, you know, him and Vincent Desharnay, they, they've really, like you look, and I understand they're not playing against the elite of the elite. They don't have to be. Right, but in their role and how they're being used, they've been exceptional. It's like Matthias Janmark. Matthias Janmark hasn't been on the ice for a goal against five on five in this streak. Now he doesn't have a goal, I understand that, but he hasn't been on the ice for a goal against, so he's still, I think, plus four or five at five on five. And so when you can have a hundred percent goal 4 percentage over fourteen games and not and not score a goal yourself, you know what? You're doing something well defensively. And so Janmark is one of those guys. When I watch him, like I just don't see him make mistakes with the puck. He, he doesn't wow you offensively, but I ask any fan to say, can you think of the time that Matthias Janmark made a defensive play that had you go or a decision with a puck? You said, what are you doing? Like that's, he is just very good at not beating himself.
1: Yeah, and I always had wondered about him and what it'd be like to play with him because you hear, like, whenever there's an emergency, Yanmark seems to be the piece that gets floated up to play with McDavid or Dreisaitl. And it's like, I don't think that's just a coincidence or a coach doing it. I think it's because the guys view Yanmark as a dependable piece on the ice. Like you said, he doesn't make mistakes. He's a very predictable player. And I would imagine that's very easy to play with.
0: Yes. Well, players always talk about it all the time. Uh, you have a smart guy who knows where he's going. It makes, uh, it makes life much easier. Uh, a few things around the league, uh, Ty. You look at the uh, Canucks. First of all, where do you come out on the metallic helmet? I love the metallic blue that the Canucks are donning tonight.
1: Okay. So the Oilers have those navy blue, the all-navy blue jerseys, which I know they're apparently not wearing after this season. But those might look kind of cool with an orange metallic yes, helmet dude, on them. Thank you. The metallic
0: orange from Edmonton, I think would be unreal. I, now, granted, I like bright colors. So I, I'd be curious how, what the fans think of. I know, like, Vegas has it. LA has the silver ones. Now Vancouver's getting their, their blue ones. And I liked, I watched them in practice the I saw the video. I was like, ooh, those are pretty sharp. I, I, I would be, I would like the orange myself. I'm, I'm curious, uh, what people would think because now it's unfortunate. Helmets aren't necessarily, you know, I don't see a lot of helmets being purchased, right? Like it's different than a jersey, but. Yeah. I would, I'd be, you're reading my mind, man. I'm all over the metallic orange.
1: So, if the Oilers get metallic orange helmets, maybe we can get you some metallic orange glasses for game day. You can rock those on the show.
0: (laughs) I actually do have a pair of orange glasses, funny enough. They're, uh, they're pretty bright, but they're not, I should have seen that coming. They're not metallic, though. They, uh, so, uh, you know what? Hey, I, uh, I'd be hard. Trust me, it took me a long time to find my, uh, my bright green, uh, um, kind of neon ones, so uh, and I have neon green and blue, so I I'd be all over it. I, uh, um, you know, thankfully I get to change my hairstyle again because um, it's uh, it's pretty brutal. I'm not looking forward to tomorrow when I have to uh, um go to the rink with uh, no tuk on as part of the uh, deal, which won't be uh, good because uh, it's going to be a scary day for a few people tomorrow. Uh, probably more them than me.
1: Yeah, but it's the last big hurdle for you to clear, and God, then and then you, we're done. I keep I was thinking about this because I walked by the studio the other day and saw it. And I'm like, man, when you finally shave it off, are you just gonna look at all the hair around you and be like, uh, I can't believe this? It's
0: gross. Like, <laughs> it's the worst look for me. Um, no, I just I'm like, uh, I can't believe. I, you know what? Hey, I'm a man of my word, so I kept my promise. The worst part was there was it was not a bet. I want to clarify that there was no bet because there was nothing I could gain. That's what a usually when you have a bet. There's something you can win yeah. or something you lose. There is there is nothing winning about this for me. So um, that's what I don't you know I don't like and it's self inflicted, so I can't blame anyone. So I, I will be very much excited about that when it's over. So it's nice. Well, uh, we'll I, see you I ate cat food, Greg. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is yeah, but that's a one time thing, right? Like it was yeah, probably true. five minutes of your life that you're just like, this is the worst. and you got some scope and rinsed out your mouth. By the way, how did that cat food taste?
1: It was so salty, and I like chewed it once, and then just swallowed it back, so I didn't even <laughs> process it. So you're right; it's not the same as it's not yeah. the same as your hair. That yeah, is, the but way still we're eating cat
0: me. food. Yeah, that was uh, that was a tough yeah. one. Um, but uh, hey, the Bruins. Who knew? Just like the Edmonton so uh, who knew that uh, since that San Jose loss, uh, how good they've been. So screw you, Orders. Screw you, Ty. Uh, have yourself a great day. We'll uh, see you tomorrow on the run now. Yep. See you, Greg.